Hey guys, I'm super excited to be here. We're still riding the wave of legacy, so let me just give a short disclaimer. If I go into Tita action, it's because of that tonight. Um, I wanted, before we start our message, I wanted to just say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you to this family. You guys make legacy possible. Thank you for just opening up um, the stores. Yes, yeah, so you can give yourselves a round of applause. <clears throat> so many of you gave, there were like, I think about 20 scholarships. Some kids were sponsored. Uh, some of you came out, helped us set up. Some of you helped us uh, take down. I saw some of you in the kitchen helping Eugene cook. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, because you make a difference. Camp matters so much. Uh, and just because we're family, I want you to know that over 200 teenagers gave their lives to Jesus last week. So thank you. Yes. Okay, so I am excited even more so because we are starting a brand new series today. And it is entitled Letters from God. So if you are taking notes, whether it's on your Bible app, the New Hope app, the bulletin, go ahead and write in. Um, for the, tonight's message title, an, event, um, an Effective Life. So just write that in, An Effective Life. I was actually looking through, like, hey, what is effectiveness? Um, so I was looking at different things, and I kind of knew what it was. But it also very similar to effectiveness is very similar to, like, efficiency, so I was looking at efficiency, and I was like, well, that kind of, I like to be efficient. How many of you guys like to be efficient, right? Efficiency is you are, you like your list, you have the things that you need to get done, and you get those things done correctly. We love people who are efficient. But tonight we're talking about what it means to be effective. Now, effectiveness is just a little bit different. It's not just doing things correctly. It is doing the right thing. And in order for us to do the right thing, sometimes we have to create patterns or get into the, the good habit of things so that we can actually not only check off that list of doing things correctly, but doing the correct thing. So how many of you have ever had a song stuck in your head? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. So I'm just letting you know, I just learned this today, that it actually has a name, and it's called an earworm. I know, I thought they couldn't name it something else, but it's called an earworm. So check this out. <clears throat> Having a song stuck in one's head is known as an earworm. It is an experience that over 90% of us have on a regular basis. In the last 10 years or so, researchers have begun to investigate this phenomenon exploring such topics as how the earworm experience varies depending on the personality traits and how to get rid of an unwanted earworm. This research has revealed a variety of important results, but one question remains that has still not been entirely answered. How do songs get into our heads in the first place? There are a variety of reasons why a song might appear as an earworm that have little to do with music itself. For instance, survey research has indicated that earworms are commonly attributed to the recent or repeated hearing of a song. 
Some participants in this study also reported earworms triggered by memory associations, such as a word or image that reminded them of the lyrics to a song. For example, the other day, my daughter, Ilana, was FaceTiming my husband, and I was just chilling on the couch, and I was just listening to their conversation, and I heard my daughter say, Oh, Dad, you're the man. So, of course, instantly I started singing, What a man, what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. Yes, right there, right there. Say what's up. Yeah, yeah, okay, he's right there. Right? That's exactly what I'm talking. Now you guys are going to be thinking about that. Additionally, we know that mood can have an impact, with some people reporting that they always get in the same ear, they always get the same earworm when they are stressed, or people experiencing a fast tempo earworm when they are in a very alert mood. And of course, when you're familiar with a song is a key contributor. Songs that you don't know very well are less likely to pop up as earworms, possibly because earworms tunes need to be learned at a high level in order for the brain to be able to replay them spontaneously without deliberate effort. Okay, so you guys are ready. We gotta, we gotta get into the mood to, to receive the message, okay? I need you guys to kind of loosen up a little bit because we are going to receive the word tonight. Are you guys excited? Yes. All right, so I'm going to kind of test you guys a little bit. So I may say a word or a sentence, and I want to see if it triggers. And if it does, we're family, right? Everybody here, we're all family. So I want group participation, okay, guys? No be shame. No, no hold back. Sing. If you know the song, go ahead and sing, but no get crazy. Just sing that word, okay, that, I, that I'm saying, because I don't like you guys getting up and singing the whole song, because... I'm not, sure, sir, not too sure if these songs are, you know, legit. All right, so the first one, hello. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait, let's try that again. Hello. Wow. So we get the old school. We can, right? Okay, so the, how many of you guys are old school that were like, hello, is it me you're looking for? So there's two different songs. There's two different songs, but you know, they both count. They both count. Okay. Number two, everybody was kung fu fighting. Wow, everybody guys. Yeah. You guys can sing, you know. Yeah. No, act like you guys don't know this song, okay? Okay? Because I know you guys saw Kung Fu Panda. That's where it's from, right? kidding. All right. Number three. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? <laughs> Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? Sponge, Bob, Square, Pants. All right, all right, all right, all right. All the kids are like, yes. All the parents are like, no. <clears throat> okay, this one is a pretty funny one because I asked my mom and she knew this song. Who let the dogs out? Yes! Who let the dogs out? Yes! Who, who, who let the dogs, dogs out? Who, 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 yeah! Okay, sorry. Sorry, I gotta get back. Focus, focus. All right. Number five. Don't stop believing. 
Okay, guys, I need this group to participate. Yes. Wow. See, I only know Don't Stop Believing. Okay, all right, all right, next one. Okay, this one is for Pastor Sheldon. I don't know. In West Philadelphia, born and raised. In West Philadelphia, born and raised. I'm way round of where I spent most of my days. Yeah! all cool and all shooting some b-ball outside of the Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, last one. I know we can do this all night. Well, I can, but seriously, we got to get on with the message. Number seven. Let it go, let it go, can't hold back anymore. Let it go, let it go, can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go, turn away and slam Okay, okay, okay. You're welcome, by the way, for those songs now stuck in your head. Good job. Good job, guys. So according to study, in order for a song to become an earworm, your brain must have had heard it on repeat at one point or another. So with that being said, it would be safe to suggest that if I want to live an effective life, I must develop good habits. Why? Because habits, whether bad or good, are things you do on repeat. So basically, if I'm saying I want to live this effective life, I better start doing some pretty good things in order for me to be choosing the right things. So if you're taking notes, the first one, super easy, develop good habits. Habit formation is the process by which new behaviors become automatic. Old habits are hard to break, and new habits are hard to form, but that's because the behavioral patterns we repeat most often are literally etched into our neural pathways. The good news, however, is through repetition, it's possible to form and maintain a new habit. Praise the Lord, okay? So how do we do this? All right, Titus 2.7 says, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. In all things. It doesn't say just at work. It doesn't say just at church. It doesn't say just at home. It says in all things that we must create a pattern of good. So we're seeing right now, we're seeing that it is possible the word is giving us the answer, and part of that is that we would create a pattern, all right? We would create good habits. I am not necessarily the greatest multitasker. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's, sometimes it's not a good thing either. However, I do have a bad habit, I will admit, of checking my phone or my text messages when um, usually... This happens when somebody I have a really good relationship with is talking to me. Um, so here's what happens when I don't stop and focus. One, I'll end up having absolutely no idea what they just said. And then I have to make them repeat it, which leads to two, them feeling a little invalid, like not valuable, okay? 
And then if I keep doing it and I don't change this habit because I am really trying to change this habit, if I don't change it, they'll just stop coming to me altogether. And I value this person and I value our relationship. And if I do value this person and I value God, then I have to make a decision to change. You understand what I'm saying? I have to actually say, all right, I admit I have a bad habit. So now what am I going to do to change. And it's going to take some time. And I always tell them, I said, please just have grace with me. And they're like, just give me your phone. If I have something to say, just give me your phone. I'm like, and it's, it's hard because when you have a bad habit, you're always thinking about it for some reason. You're just constantly like, oh my gosh, where's my phone? I need to, I need to check my messages. But we have to redirect and relearn. And we know that we, it's possible. We know that we can retrain our brain and we can actually develop new habits. All right, so for, so for a habit of focusing, form a habit of focusing your thoughts on good things. So Philippians 4.8. We've all heard this scripture before, but let's just take a look at it. If you want to turn to it, you can go ahead and turn to it. Philippians 4.8, this is what it says. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. How many of you guys believe that God is worth praising even through the storm? There is something, when you wake up, there is something to thank God for. There is always something that we can praise God for. Now, here's the challenge. We know we love God, but what, a, what is God asking us? First, he's asking us to fix our eyes, I mean, fix our thoughts. That means that what is taking priority? Am I, am I creating habits for me so that I can focus on good? Or am I scrolling through something where I'm not focusing on anything that is good? Am I watching things that aren't necessarily good? Am I listening to things that aren't good? Am I reading things that aren't good? These are not healthy for me because if they are, then I knew I, know I would be more effective. But God is asking, when I look at somebody, why is it that I'm so, it's so easy to be critical? Sometimes it's easy to just look at someone and it's like you're, you're starting to judge them before you even know them. And see, God is saying, I want you to dwell, and dwell means to spend some time. I want you to dwell on the things that are good in others. See, sometimes it's really easy to dwell on the good things that, that God has created because he's God. But what he's asking us is, what about in others? I'm asking you to love others. Can you look at someone and say, I see good in you. I see, even though I'm feeling a little, but can I dwell and just put some thought, hey, that person, when they come into a room, they light up the room. That person is such an encourager. Like, let's spend some time looking and thinking and fixing our thoughts on things that are good. Because when we start thinking of good, then it's easier for us to be effective and do good. Not just do things right, but actually choosing right. That becomes a habit. You know, Pastor um, Marsha challenged us to memorize scripture. That's a good habit. Doing your daily devotions, great habit. Having a healthy prayer life, absolutely a great habit. Fixing your thoughts on Jesus, great habit. And if you're not already doing it, it's okay. Start. Because when you start doing them over and over and over again, it will become a habit. And we want to develop good habits, 
because it's developing a good habit is what will help us become more effective. In 1 John 3.19, it says, The person who has been born into God's family does not make a practice of sinning because now God's life is in him, so he can't keep on sinning. For this new life has been born into him and controls him. He has been born again. See, we're now in, when we choose Jesus, and we not only believe, but we become followers of Christ, we actually step into a very different role. We're no longer of the world. We are a new creation in Christ. And now we can, we're no longer practicing sinful nature. We start practicing what it is to follow Christ. We start putting into practice these habits that we're starting to develop. We, yes, we're not perfect, but the perfect doesn't make, uh, practice doesn't make perfect, but it will make you better. I don't want to be who I was yesterday. I want to be better. Every day I want to be better. That's what I love about our church where we have things we're serving and learning together. We have Rooted and Growing. We have our Wednesday equipped where we're continually to encourage one another, edify each other. We are the body of Christ and we need one another. And so in order for me to walk in this identity that Christ has given to me, I must be able to put into practice the things that the word is saying. That is how I develop a good habit. I start applying the word into my life. Number two, be authentic. Be authentic. Nobody wants a fake friend. Nobody wants a make-believe relationship. We want the real deal. And if you want to hashtag this, go ahead and hashtag keeping it real. And if you are millennial, keep it 100, okay? Let's just keep it 100 real quick. We need to walk in the identity that Christ gave us, not the old person. That is of the world. We get to walk in the identity that God gave us. And when we walk into that identity, the Christ-given identity, that's when we become authentic. We don't want, how can we reach a world when we're not even the real thing? I know I've used this illustration before, but there is no way the, the moon gives off light. The moon has zero source of light. But yet, the light that comes from the moon at night, we can see, is because it reflects the sun. Who are you reflecting? And how much of the sun, Jesus Christ, are you reflecting? See, I can say, yes, I, I know Jesus. Yeah, well, so does pretty much everybody. But when you step into your identity of who Christ has given you, you are a new creation in Christ. That identity becomes authentic. When you reflect the world, that ain't real. We're saying keeping it 100. I'm keeping it 100. There is nothing real about the world. There's nothing but lies. And it's when you step into that true identity that Christ has given you, that's when you know what authenticity means and looks like and feels like. And you walk in that. And that's why we say when you develop good habits, it's easier for us to walk into that identity. It's easier for us to say, you know what, this is who God's called me. All right, I'm going to step into it. I may not know what I'm doing, but that's where he comes in. It's not our light. We have none. We have zero source of light. The only light we can shine is if we are reflecting Christ. 
when we reflect him, that is when we are walking, walking in true authenticity. And if that's what you want to do in order to live an effective life, best you be authentic. I mean, I'm just keeping it 100, okay, for you guys? Number three. Live out loud. I live pretty loud. You know, one of the things that we get caught up in when we talk about identity, I can say that, oh, I'm living for Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. When we live out loud, we live the message. We're, we are actually living it. We don't have to preach it. You know, this past week at Legacy, we played an icebreaker. There's, there's about 70 group leaders, and we don't know everybody, so we had to find someone we didn't know. And we had 30 seconds to play this, ga- this game called, if you really knew me, you'd know, and you'd fill in the blank. And it was super, super fun because I'd be like, hey, if you really knew me, you know I love purple. If you really knew me, you know I'm deathly afraid of sharks. If you really knew me, you know I love Star Wars. Okay? Now, anybody, even if they didn't know me, might have some kind of idea if they walked into my office or my house or just looked at me. They would know I love purple. Um, You may not know I'm deathly afraid of sharks, but, you know, now you know. Our world, sometimes we're so disconnected. What's the first place? You don't know somebody. Hey, do you know, do you know Bunny? Oh, I, I don't know her. I said, what's her Facebook page? What's her Facebook handle? What's her name again? And they jump on your Facebook. Hey, listen, if people were to look at your Facebook, would they know? Would they know that you follow Christ? If they read your feeder, your feeder, your Twitter feed, would they know? If they looked at your Instagram and scrolled through it, would they know? Would they have any idea? If they sat with you, if they met you, would they know? See, a lot of times we, we think it's just words, but it's not. Because living out loud, to live out loud means to live the action of Christ. Action speaks. In Romans 12, 9, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That's what we are. We are children of God. And we get to live that out loud. John 3, 19 through 21, this is what it says. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Living out loud is choosing to live in the light. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where it's like dark and the lights come on and everything just kind of scatters. 
I know some of you are like, yeah, I actually have been to a couple of those places, you know, whether it's a club or dancing or whatever it is. But when you have something to hide, you don't want to be in the light. You don't want anybody to know about it, okay? You change maybe some things about you. You change some facts maybe about you. You don't want people to know. And we, the old life is we're in this sin, okay? The old life is we have like these, the sin clothes, the new life in Christ is we no longer have that. We no longer have to wear the old clothes because we're made new in Christ. And we can actually be confident and say, because I don't want to be in the dark anymore. I want to be people of the light because the world needs people to shine the light. Have you ever been on a trail and there's only one flashlight and there's like 15 of you? Only the person in the front can see. They have to wait till like they have to shine the light. Well, guess what? This world is a very dark place. The more flashlights there are, the better. There are a lot of people that don't know Jesus. They know of him, but they don't know the real him. They don't have a relationship with him. And the only way they will find him is if we shine the light. Is if they can watch us. We're living that testimony. We're living it out loud. We don't have to be fearful anymore of the light. We don't have to hold back. We can actually be confident to say, well, I'm unashamed. This is who I am. And I know the way. I know the truth. So the more flashlights, the better. We light this whole place up. That's a whole different song. Now you guys have another song in your head. Let the truth of God be seen in us. Let the light of Christ shine in and through us so that we become that beacon. 1 John 3.18 Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. So often we put in way too many filters. I mean, I'm a fan of Snapchat filters, trust me, especially if I have no makeup on, but seriously, we're in real life, we put filters on. Oh, we're gonna put go to we're going church tonight. Church filter. Oh, hi. What? We're going work? Work filter. We're going home? Home filter. Oh, I'm going with this group of friends? This filter. So many filters we're putting on in our lives, we don't even know who we are anymore. But you have been given a new identity in Christ. Guess what your new identity, new filter is? It is child of God. That's who you are. And I can stand, we can stand confidently in that identity. But we got to develop good habits. Best, we be authentic about who we are, sincere and genuine. Because we got to live out loud, family. We got to live out loud. There's way too many people that don't know the way. And we got to have more flashlights. We've got to have more of us out there reflecting the true source of light, and that is Jesus Christ. This uh, series that we're in has a scripture to go with it, and I wanted to leave it for the very end so that we can dwell on it. It's such a cool scripture, and it comes from 2 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2, and this is what it reads. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? 
or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on the hearts, known and read by everyone. We're the letters from God. We are. We're the message. It's not just up here from the pulpit. It's us. It's our lives. At our workplace, in our homes, with our children. You have such a huge influence on your babies, on your families. We, you have an influence in the atmosphere, in the environment that you're at. Wear that letter. You know, Holly and I, um, we were high school sweethearts. And when I went off to college, uh, there was no FaceTime or Skype. I know, right? There was something called actual letters. And we wrote a letter every single day. It was like the best thing ever. And I couldn't wait to get to the post office and I would find my letter there. It actually made getting into arguments convenient. Because by the time I got the I'm sorry letter, because most of the time it was his fault, I was over it. <laughs> Three days later, I'm like, ah, you're forgiven, it's fine. But we treasure these letters. We actually have every single letter, and sometimes we read them, and it's the funniest thing. It is the funniest thing. I'm like, oh, look at the hearts. I would always have like some kind of perfume on it or whatever. Um, super sweet. I'm so sweet. And we... It made me feel good. It made me feel loved. Like I loved, look, couldn't wait to get the letters because I felt, even though we weren't together physically, that he, I was loved. And see, God has a letter for the world. He has a love letter. It is literally right here, written on these pages. It's his love letter to the world. And the more we have this in us, the more we have him written on our hearts, the better the love letter will be to the world, to the lost. We have a responsibility, family. We have family that doesn't, they don't know Jesus yet. We have friends. Time is short. And there's a love letter that God wants to send to the world. In fact, in conclusion tonight, I, I actually want to read to you. It's called the Father's Love Letter. It is a love letter written just using scriptures. And if you could with me, just we can have one more exercise together, is if you could just close your eyes and just dwell on the good things of the Lord. And just dwell on the fact that he loves you so very much. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up, I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me, you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You are not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You 
are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but I am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good for you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than any could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And I'll take away the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your father, and I love you even as I love my son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son, Jesus, then you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and always will be father. My question is, will you be my child? Love your dad, almighty God. We are this letter to the world. His love written on our hearts as we love others. Our lives can be effective when we choose to follow Jesus and his ways. You can go ahead and close your Bible. I wanted to end with this story of my son, Ethan, and I. Just the other day, he and I were uh, doing devotions, and he asked me a question, and I I was kind of like thinking about what to say to him, and I thought about this message, and I said, hey, you know, can I give you an illustration? And so the illustration I gave him goes like this. I said, imagine, Ethan, you are in line at a sold-out concert, and you're standing in line, and you know there's no tickets left, but you're just hoping that one of your friends, that like you're running to somebody who has an extra ticket. And so you work your way up to the front, and you see the bouncer there, and you notice that there's this, this paper with names on it. So you, you kind of like stir up some courage and you, you ask the bouncer and you say, hey, can you check if my name is on that list, Ethan Correa? 
And the bouncer looks and he turns and he says, sorry, nope. But just then, the headline, the lead singer of the band that's performing sees you and comes out and says, Ethan, and makes his way and tells the bouncer, I'm sorry, Ethan is with me. So not only do you get in, you get VIP status. You get backstage passes. And now your friends are taking pictures of you because you know the person that's about to perform. I say, you know, Ethan, Jesus is the ticket. Jesus gets you in. And he knows you by name. And that's exactly how it is with us. He knows us by name. Jesus is the letter of recommendation that gets us in. And since we have Jesus, we have the ticket that saves and the ticket that will get the light out to the lost. The ticket that will save a dying world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you have called us by name, that you have set us apart, that you have a plan and a future for us, that you have given us a new identity in your son, Jesus, and that you've given us a way to be authentic, You've given us a way that we can start to repattern our lives so that we can begin to form good habits so that in order for us to be effective, it's not just doing things, but choosing right. And you've given us a way that we can dwell on you because we want to live out loud this life. We want to be the love letter to the world. We want to be that light that shows the way to you. So we ask for your spirit, Father. We ask for your strength and your courage as we continue to grow and as we continue to move because your kingdom is coming and your son Jesus is the ticket. We praise you, Lord. We thank you that you already are beginning to create in us a life that is effective. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.